It is a morning to celebrate. Can I get an amen? amen? Perfect. There we go. We can start now. We had a fantastic time of worship. We got to take the opportunity to welcome in to the first steps, literal baby steps, into these kids coming to know the, the greatest relationship they will ever have. Um, but today, today's a special day for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to steal a little bit of the light right now. Um, I woke up this morning a very proud man because I made it through six years of marriage. Today is mine, Hannah's anniversary. I, and uh, uh, she loves me so much, she's not actually in the room right now. She's literally with our kids right across the way here. So I uh, didn't think that part, well, you know, we get there. I mean, uh, there are multiple days I get threatened with an inch of my life, like I'm going to kill you because you're frustrating me. Um, but I'm here. I'm, I'm breathing. We're good. Um, and some, one of those moments came up uh, when we were actually planning our wedding. Um, she picked out most of what was going on. I, I think I landed on the shrimp and grits that was at the reception. Uh, and I picked maybe like biscuits or something. But everything else was her decision along the way. We got to planning things out. And I had pushed and pushed and pushed for our dog, Magnolia, to be our flower girl. <laughs> now, we had a ring bearer, but we didn't have a flower girl. I was told, nope, not happening. I pushed and pushed and pushed, and I was like, let's write our own vowels. No, because that leaves for mistakes. I was like, okay. So we get to the rehearsal, and uh, we're sitting there, and we brought our dog along because she was going to have to go and stay with somebody when we went on the honeymoon. So he said, might as well come along with us. And, you know, it's okay. It was a really relaxed rehearsal. It wasn't at the venue space, so it was all good. But what Hannah didn't know is when I was teaching uh, in third grade, I had a really long hallway, and my dog would go with me to school quite often. And the distance from the fourth grade to the third grade spot was about the same amount of time and space from the end of one aisle to the front of the aisle. And uh, Magnolia and I did some homework. She would sit, she would stay, she would come on command. It was perfect. Man, she loved me. The dog that is, not my wife. Um, <laughs> but we got to this uh, rehearsal and the wedding planner was just like, okay, like, do we have everyone here? Well, all right, we got the ring bearer here and they're this. The pastor's not here because he's got to preach on that Sunday morning, but he'll be with us on Sunday night and it'll be good to go. And she goes, and no flower girl? And I said, ha ha. And she said, no. I said, just for giggles, let's just try it and see. Man, she knocked it out of the park. She sat at the back of the, the little church we were at. She trotted down. Everyone laughed. And I looked over at Hannah, and there's just this tiny little glint, and I ran with it. She says, okay. I was given very strict rules. We had to get a new collar. We had to get it all decorative. I gave her a bath that night, like the day before the wedding, and I'm like rushing all this to literally get my dog up there with me. About 12 hours before the ceremony, uh, after the rehearsal's done, uh, texting back and forth with my now wife, and she finally said, yeah, we can write our own vows. Now, 12 hours before, I spend months to plan a singular sermon <laughs> saying the words that I'm going to be talking to the love of my life, that it's going to be the, the foundation for what we're going to say, and I'm expected to write this 12 hours beforehand. 
Hannah would probably make a better pastor because she knocked it out of the park. I've got it laminated. It's on this beautiful card. It's next to a picture over my office. So sweet. If only I could have articulated those words that morning when I was writing it down. But uh, I wrote down things like, I'll buy you chocolate when you need chocolate. Um, and I'll do the dishes. But one of the things that I uh, somehow left off of the vowels, like I said, you make mistakes when you uh, don't plan this out, is I didn't say the word promise. Um, now, did my heart mean all that? Absolutely. I had a lot of promise coming from my heart. Did I verbally say it? No. And I bring that up this morning, not just because today's our anniversary, but when we stood up here and we asked these parents to make a commitment, when I challenged them, when I said, say the words we do, it's very similar to that of a wedding day, when the, you make a vow. When we look to you, the church, and we say, hey, this is, the, this is what we're challenging to you, and you all in unison said, we do, you married to this idea that we have that these kids need to come to know the Lord. So now, we gotta, we gotta go to kids church for a second. I want you to put on your imagination cap. If you left it at home, just reach out real quick, grab it, it's here, boom, pop some extra batteries in, you're good to go, sling it on. You're now going to teach someone how to run. But you're not just gonna do it in a little easy way. You're gonna close your eyes, you don't know who you're teaching, but in the process of closing your eyes, you're teaching them, you're gonna be telling them, take a big deep breath, lift up your left knee, extend your leg, put your foot down, and you're giving them all these instructions. Something that's just a really novel idea. But the person that you are trying to teach is arguing back. What do you mean deep breath? What do you mean knee? Feet? This makes no sense. And you open your eyes and you find out that the person that you're trying to teach to run is actually a goldfish. <laughs> that's what we run into when we're trying to minister to our kids. They have no prior knowledge they have no idea what's going on. And there's an expectation that they're going to get from point A to point B because we look at them and we're assuming that we're going to have similar things that have happened in our life. I can probably attest for everyone in the room right now that we've all had a poopy diaper, we've all cried at some point, we've all been hungry. We all agree on that, but we all come from different walks of life. Some of us are significantly wiser. Some of us uh, have so much more to learn. Some that have worked one job, some that have had 30, 40 different jobs. We have parents, we have kids, so many different places. But if we all just have this pre-assumption that everybody is on the same playing field, it's on the same level, we're gonna miss them. It's gonna be like teaching a fish how to run. Fish don't apply to gravity, breathing, knees. They don't know that. So that's where we have to step in. When we assume that our shared experiences in life help us relate to others, all of our, all of our explanations are gonna fall on deaf ears. That's happening by today's standard. Society is growing, it's changing, it's manipulating faster than we can even fathom. We've got every resource we could ever want within the palm of our hands. 
the news isn't just at night now. We have six different times a day that the news comes on TV because it changes so fast we can't keep up with it. You swipe down on any of your social media pages, it's gonna refresh with something brand new that's happening. We cannot keep up with that time. When we sit there and we dwell in the, what would be a traditional style of living, something that we've always done year after year after year, it's really easy for things to get left behind. You've lived this script, you've read this script, I've lived that script, but now it comes our opportunity to flip it. We know that in Proverbs chapter 22, verse six, that when we start a child off on the way, they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. It's the same verse that I have written on these plaques up here at the front. It's on our website at the church. I've seen just in the last couple weeks at least four of our church members share that out in regards to something with our kids coming to say something about scripture, knowing something, something they learned at school um, within our Mighty Mites program. Guys, yesterday we just wrapped up our Mighty Mites basketball for this year. 97 kids, all right? 88 different families. It was incredible, all right? Knowing that they weren't just coming here for the, the aspect of learning basketball at three, four years old, but when they left, they got to know the gospel. They got to hear the story behind it. Now, are all of them fully able to reciprocate it? No. But when I look at them and tell them to put their crown on their head, they know that God is the king. When I can tell them that things that they say and they think and they do that doesn't please God is sin and that Christ died on the cross for their sin and they're showing me that with their hand signs, they're picking up on this. They're absorbing it. We're starting our children off on the way they should go so that when they get old, they don't turn from it. This is our hope and our desire. This is our training process. We're not just teaching fish. But the problem with that script is when we just teach them and hope that they get that belief, we're actually losing them. From 1948 to 2009, there was a digression within church membership and the like, Christian participation by about 15%. That's not bad, it's not good. Slight decline across the 50 year window, understand. But from 2010 to 2020, that 10 year window, something a fifth of the span has also had a 15% decline. From 2020 to now, we're at about a 7% decline. So that rate is continuing to, it's, extra, it's getting faster and faster. For us to hit that 15% window, it's gonna be about a five year span. So we're gonna have less than 45% of the population saying they attend church, that they have a relationship with Christ within the next two years unless we do what, we're, what we need to do and flip that script, reaching out to those that are gone. There's something wrong when there's 37% of those that were in church are now gone, but we've got this scripture and we have this commitment and this faith that, we, that we're setting forth that we're saying when they get old, they will not turn from it, but when 37% have turned from it, we have failed. Now church, I say this because I, this is not, I don't want you to think this is a message where I'm up here to step on toes, because I'm not. Today is a, it's a, it's a message about information it's a message about what we can do, how we can reach our kids. Um, I get the privilege of being on the front lines with them a lot. I get to hear them. I get to see them. There's resources that are behind it because they are the next generation that comes up. 
The older generations were relying on the next one down to help fix the problem, the next one down, and each time they lose a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. When we neglect to acknowledge that the world is rapidly changing, we come to realize that it becomes increasingly harder to talk about spiritual things. Now, I wanted to restate that. We're forgetting that the world is changing. It becomes increasingly harder to talk about spiritual things. I did not say the word kids in that statement. That is across the board for everybody. That's your coworkers, your neighbors, your cousins. It could be someone living in your house right now. The closer we grow more to the world, the farther we're growing away from Christ. And it's clear in the numbers that are there. The script we read right now with this situation we face today, because you in this room, you've read this script and you are in the decreasing majority right now. And we don't wanna be in that. We wanna be in the increasing majority. We wanna keep the majority the majority in the first place. In each generation, those identifying as Christians consistent with church attendance is on the decline. So here is three ways that we are going to be able to flip the script. The first way we can do it is instead of hearing, we wanna be here. The traditional model is that we hear the gospel, we hear the, the story, we, we go to VBS, we go to Sunday school, we've, we hear it. And then from that hearing, we're supposed to believe, and through that belief, we're supposed to share. Somewhere between the hearing and the belief side, we are assuming that they have a full understanding of what's going on, and that's not happening. So they're either getting stuck in this front part here, completely neglecting the fact, never getting to the belief part, or they land in the belief window and don't know how to actually share it. So many people that are afraid to share the gospel because they feel like they don't fully understand it because they've just been talked to. But instead of just hoping that kids are hearing, if we take a step back and we put ourselves into their life and we say that I am here, if a kid runs off from me and I go in and stand beside them, they can't help but listen. I've got a captive audience. Same thing applies when I wanna have some, some time just to chill and relax and here comes this six-year-old who wants to tell me about everything that happened this week at school. There's nowhere I can run. I am now here. Might as well listen, right? I'm not just hearing of this, I am actually listening to what is happening. In James chapter one, starting in verse 22, it says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For if he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We can't just hope kids are hearing the gospel. We have to be there with them. We have to be here helping them listen. And when they're listening, 
then they get to the point of understanding. There is no misconception when you were still walking along with them, when you were right there beside them, when you were here and you were listening to what they're saying, they're listening to you, you know when they have that understanding. So the understanding leads to the belief. We've bridged that gap, the unknown right here, the fear that the, the hearers to the belief is there. We have bridged it together by listening and making sure they understand. So now we have this idea of going from belief to the sharing part. How do we do that? Well, because they believe, they don't magically just become sharers. It's really hard for someone to first come and accept faith to know it, for them to instantly go out and go and tell others. They can begin, but they're fully able to articulate it, so they have to grow. As long as we stay with them here and we're going with them every step of the way, they're growing, then they're reaching. You are present with them the whole time. We have the same outcome with the same gospel that occurred from the old script, but when we turn it on its side and we make sure that we are always present, when we are here and not just here, we can see that growth. The second way that we can flip the script is from going from being seen to being known. I see all of you out here. You see each other out here. There might be a few of you that you see someone come and visit for a Sunday. We've got visitors that are here. We've got church members who have come across as visitors here at church. They show up and then they might've been here one week and they didn't make it for six weeks and someone shoots one message, hey, it's so good to see you at church on Sunday. That's great, I am glad that they are here. I'm glad that someone in this congregation recognized that someone was gone and they see them. But do they know why they weren't here those other five weeks? Do they fully know what's going on in their life? When you're in a church and you feel like you're just being seen, you kind of have this pressure that's on you. Like you just, you feel, you get those goosebumps, you're like, they're staring at me. But when someone knows you, you have that relationship with them. There's no like, weird feeling involved with that. It's just love. I think about it with our kids. There comes a level of comfort and security from their parents. They'll come in and we'll have visitors and the, there's nothing like a four-year-old just like grip strength around their dad or mom's leg when they're trying to drop them off the first time. That first Sunday they come by and they're not letting go and like they're kicking and screaming and it's taking every ounce of Welch's gummies and goldfish to like bait them into the room. <laughs> Week two comes along, you know, they're still like playing peekaboo behind the legs. But week three, they're walking ahead of their mom and dad. Week four, they're running to the parking lot and you're having to not hit them, all right? As they sprint past the parents and the parents are like, <laughs> at least they're inside. Those kids know that they're not being just seen anymore. They're being known. We get the opportunity to build those relationships with them over there. It's more than just ask them their favorite flavor of ice cream. It's more than talk to them about their pets at home. It's getting to really know who they are. It's different than when you say, hey, I saw you were at church on Sunday versus pick up the phone and saying, hey, I'm so glad you came and worship today. How can I be praying for you? Let me know more about what's going on in your life. It may come across as intrusive, 
But man, if every single person starts doing that, that stigma goes away. We get to know others. Once someone feels known, they move from the outsider mentality to an insider contributor. That part of where they were, they were believing, they're growing, and they're reaching out to others. When we accept someone, we bring someone in here at the church, and they are physically here, and they are no longer feeling like they're being seen, but they're known, they get to step into that role of the belief, the growing, and the reaching side. In Colossians chapter 4, and verses 5 and 6, it says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Toward those who are on the outside. When we look back in Proverbs, it says so they will not stray away, so they will not leave from this. We recognize there's a 37% of people that are on the outside right now, and this is what it's calling us to do that for us to be believers, for us to be growing in where we're at, and for us to be reaching out, we've got to reach that 37%. And with that number climbing each and every year, we've got to walk in wisdom. And that's not on us. That's the infallible truth of God's word right here, all right? And then we're redeeming that time so that what we do is we're always putting Christ first. Going back to that vow that we set forth earlier in the service, that God is always gonna be present. I've said it a handful of times, I'm pretty sure I've said it up here, but our parents have heard this, but life change best happens through the context of relationships. Kids have friends and those friends become best friends and old friends. It could even be your family. But through the context of those relationships, you get to know them, you get to have life change. Um, I get a little, a, little, a little giddy, and I didn't say this in the first service, but when I look over at events that happen, and Eric gets to step away from just like having to be in charge, and he gets to see people that he hasn't seen in so long, and he lights up. Yesterday, he was at Mighty Mites, and he was able to talk to folks that he hasn't had a chance to talk to, and weeks, months, possibly even years. He got to just go around and just take part in that relationship. More than just seeing them from a stage, he got to really get to know them. He got to, to invest in their life and what joy it brought him. But imagine the other side of that conversation, the person he got to talk to. And that all happened because of the relationships he formed as he built. Our life change best happens in the context of relationships. When we prioritize a, for a ministry, when we prioritize relationship first ministry, we go from the here and take that here to being known. You just don't want to see someone at church. You want that someone to be known because it is at that point and the kingdom not only grows, it multiplies and it prepares us for my last point. The last point that I have is we're gonna be flipping the script. Now you might say that's the whole premise of this whole message. The script of our relationships. I love this church. This church loves this church. It loves this community. Some of you are obligated to love this church because um, your entire family is here. 
all right? That blood relationship is there. And even then, that means that we get to grow even deeper. This year is the 125th year of this church. That means something. Obviously, we have been doing something right for 125 years to still be a collective group together. Just in the last couple of years, in the last two years alone, there have been multiple churches here in Floyd County that have had to close their doors. They didn't just have a 37% leave. They had their 100% leave. There are people that aren't sitting in the pews today that you might have seen two, three years ago, and it's your opportunity to reach out and call them and bring them back in. But something is happening within our church, and we're doing it right. But we can always improve. So with this third point, we're going to be flipping our relationships. And I want to break it down into four groups. The first group being our friends. Our friends are probably within the church that's a little extensionist family. We've got groups together of friends that do life, that do ministry together. Some of you travel on vacation together. Some of you have monthly board game nights or you have dinners. You have things that bring you all together. And you are together because of those like things in your life. Our senior adults, they are a core group. We have our group of our, our like students' parents and our kids' parents. And then you've got our young adult college age window, the almost coming out of high school. We have our students, we have our kids. We've got so many awesome core groups that have so many significant friends in there. And it's perfect. They're in their nice little neat rows. And that's where the problem comes in. We're doing ministry in perfect little neat rows. And as much as that's great, it's time for us to get messy. It's time for our, our rows to start intertwining, for it to look more like a spider web, for things to start connecting. Our friend groups need to grow. What it would look like to have a second grader come in and, and have a conversation with our senior adults, for some of these senior adults to, to actively invest in our parents, the ones that, you know, one parent has been a parent for 40 years and they've been a parent for four years. There's so much wisdom that can be shared, so much that can be instilled. And when those parents turn around and they pour into a kid that's not theirs, and that, that student turns around and helps out at vacation Bible school, and they're pouring back into our kids, and guess what? I want one of those kids that's at vacation Bible school, they're going to turn around and go talk to another senior adult that's not grandma or granddad. And it keeps on working, and everybody is connected to everybody in some form or fashion. But because we, we operate in rows, our church has, has layers to it. So we have leaders within our church. We've got deacons. We've got people that, that head out different ministries, our women's ministry, our men's ministry. We have leaders. We've got Sunday school teachers. If a kid's not there for two, three weeks, it's noted on there and they say, hey, like, have you seen such and such? Do you know where they're at? They get a little concerned. If a kid doesn't show up at Sunday school in a week, the following week, they're like, hey, where were we at last week? Do you have, you know, soccer game where you got a town on vacation, like, tell me about it. We've got folks that want to take an invested interest in their lives. And it happens behind the scenes and you don't realize it, but there are leaders that are loving on you and praying for you. 
but they're maybe timid or shy and they don't wanna reach out and call. Or maybe we feel like it's intrusive that they've gone too much. But again, like I said, the more it happens, the less it tears down, like the, the awkwardness. Our third group of people are the influencers or the investors. For many people, that's you right now sitting in these pews. You are an influencer. As a grandparent, you are influencing not only your own kids, but also your grandkids by showing them that there is nothing better for me to do than on a Sunday morning come and worship the almighty king. And then that parent is looking up to you. They're being influenced because they say, I was raised right because of you and I'm gonna continue to raise it right. And then that parent is also having a kid look up to them and they're saying, if my mom and dad says that this is where I need to be, there's probably some merit behind it. And then they not only see you as the parent, but then they also see a grandparent. But it doesn't just have to be in blood relation. We have that adopted family as a sense too. When someone who sits on this pew can look over to this pew and they can see someone worshiping and they can see that they are on fire for the Lord and they say, you know what? Just like the scripture tells us that I need to be an imitator of Christ, if they are acting and they are imitating in the form of Christ, how can I be like that? How can I do that? You're making an investment in every generation and every person without you even realizing. And this last group right here, um, I will throw us under the bus a little bit. It's your pastors. I am known as the kids guy. I know your kids. I know which ones will and will not eat chocolate. Okay? Um, I know which ones when... Uh, it comes time for us to start doing an activity. If they don't really want to do it, they have to go pee. Um, <laughs> I know which ones are going to go to the slide first or the swings first. Um, who can or can't open their gummies? Who needs help opening up the Capri Sun? But also, I've seen them grow. Um, I was laughing the other day. I was clearing out some pictures on my phone. And uh, uh, believe it or not, I've got, I've got some photos of uh, some of the kids on there. And the ones that are now in our fourth and fifth grade that are this tall were this tall. Um, I've got one of Aiden that he was actually shorter than me, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, this is here, that relationship was happening because life change happens in the context of those relationships. I know our kids. I don't fully know you. I got to be vulnerable with you this morning and share with you and tell you to say, hey, like today's my anniversary. Awesome, you all know that much. I don't know your favorite topping for your pizza. Don't know your address. I know where some of you are from, if it's Lindell or from another state, just like that. I know some of you more than others if you have kids, but I have failed in the fact that I have not gotten to know you. Yes, I'm here and you're here, but I'm at that seeing part and I have not gotten to that known part. I'm part of the problem with that 37% because if you become one of the percentile numbers and you're walking out that door, it's because I didn't do something to come to know you. I didn't come to form that relationship. Eric has the hard task of being our, our, our head shepherd here. And there's so many of you and there's so few of him in the hours of the day that when he can't reach out to you, I'm here. Even this morning, Alan was saying, hey, is there a way that we can plug in with the kids, like hang out in the nursery, do something like that? Like, what it would look like to have every single part of our ministries plugging in. I'm reminded because the, about the second or third 
month we were here, uh, Floyd County uh, never has any issues with pollen or allergies and stuff. And I uh, was speaking to our senior adults and I had that really raspy voice and I was coughing and I was like, I know that local honey is going to work. And I made a, just a very lighthearted comment uh, to the senior adults. I was like, if anyone knows where I can get some local honey, um, just point me in the right direction, I'll go pick it up. And the, within the next two days, there are about seven or eight jars on my desk in the office. And I was just blessed because that's something that they got to know about me. That's something that I needed. I didn't know who dropped them off. Didn't know who to thank. Because we love our church, because we love each other, it is our opportunity for us to flip that script. I don't wanna just be that kid's guy. I wanna be the person here at the church that you can come to, you can talk to. So if you get a random text message from me within the next few weeks, that is why. Eric this morning came by and he, he was walking through the kids' building and it's one of those like, for our youngest ones, they might just see him in passing, but to see him in a space that they're not used to, what a game changer that would be. It can be messy, but trust me, it'll be beautiful. We have to leave our lateral rows start plugging in all over the church. You can't just be in one given area. You have to be able to step out. It's important with our faith that we continue to strengthen it by strengthening those around us. I had this dream uh, when I first got here when I found out that uh, uh, this person was related to this person was related to this person. I said, you know what? If I could give everyone a piece of chalk, and I've, I've told a few of this, and you write your name out in the parking lot, and everyone draws a line to each person they're related to, how cool that would be. Um, but I've since had to change my mind because I would write mine and hand his name down, and there wouldn't be a, a line drawn to it. Now, we might have some, like, dotted lines or, you know, some, like, weird connective, like, adopted family lines, but, like, I was saying it because I felt like everybody just happened to be related through like seven brothers ago. It all worked out. Like when every, like every person who worked within the mill somehow was like brother, uncle, cousin. And then from there grew this incredible city that we're at. And that's why we get to, to be the loving and flourishing church that we are. But instead, taking that same idea and flipping that script on it, if I could give all of you a piece of chalk you write your name in the parking lot and you draw a line to somebody and you could be able to know something about them. What it would look like for our senior adult to know what baseball team one of our students is on and how he can be specifically praying for them. And for that student to know who just had a baby at the church and how they can be praying for that mom, that dad, and for that baby and that dad feel that love that he turns around and he says, you know what, I'm gonna invest back into our kids. And that kid invests into this other set of parents. And when that kid knows another set of parents, they understand why they're raising and they're teaching their kids in a certain way. We all become a unified body. The whole idea of our friends, our leaders, our influencers and our pastors all become one. We're not just here we're not just being known, but we're doing ministry together. In Romans chapter 15, verse seven, it reads, therefore, welcome one another 
just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. Welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. We are to be imitators of Christ. We are to, to bring light to him. He is the light to us. We are to go in to take that and to cast it out to those. There's 37% right now that is not being reached and that is our goal. That's our target. But at the same time, we can't lose this percent right here. So we've got a double battle. We have the fact that we've got to reach those, the ones that are just hearing, we've got to get them here. And once they're here, we can't lose them. We've got to know them. We've got to form those relationships. Because it's a lot harder for you to walk away from something when you have a solid relationship with someone. Um, a wise friend of mine uh, by the name of Winnie the Pooh once said, a day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey left inside. So church, we have to be here. We have to be known. And we have to be ready to flip the script. <laughs>